Louder! Chris and Lil, recommendations. Chris and Lil, recommendations. Chris and Lil, recommendations. Chris and Lil, recommendations. Welcome back, guys, to episode, well, bonus episode two of Wrestling Recommendations. Wrestling Recommendations. Very, very catchy. Very, very catchy. Very catchy. Very, uh, very great, if you will. Uh, I am your host, Eddie Shepard, along with uh, the extravagant... Uh, the extravagant Wrestling Ruin t-shirt wearing Travis Lasseter today. I saw that. Uh, we... Uh, the time we we're recording this, good buddy Brandon is out with the vid, and uh, so we, we are with chirpies vid everything else. Yeah, so I know we we're wanting to do King of the Ring '95. However, we have to go a nice uh, little time warp back to 1993 with this episode. Yeah. The good old Will of Names chose this at random. Uh, we have added more matches. We have like 150 something matches. Uh, I have a list already started on my computer of ones to keep adding. <laughs> as I as I watch through WCW 99, there's not a lot, but when you find a gym, you got to put it on there. So the thing the, the fact that you're still watching WCW in 1999 and your free time speaks volumes. Well, we can knock out multiple episodes in a work day. Let it play in the background. Yeah, uh, shout out to my uh, place of employment for letting me work from home today. So uh, this is great. I'm getting to work and also do this podcast. So. What are you talking about? We did this at like 6 p.m. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you, you're right. As you know, like the clock strikes Wait, at noon. 6 p.m. somewhere. <laughs> oh, man. So, guys, so the, the, the Will of Names got to choose this match, which is the Steiner Brothers versus the Heavenly Bodies from SummerSlam 93. A Kind of a noteworthy show before we kind of roll into, you know, just some inf- information about all this. SummerSlam 93, it actually opened with Razor Ramon versus Ted DiBiase. This is Ted DiBiase's final show as an in-ring performer. He retired shortly after that. Uh, Lloyd's of London. I think he got, well, goes to Japan and does a couple shots or something. But, oh, I know that his back was fucked. But this, so is, his, this is his final W. I know his final WWF match. And Razor's wearing the hot pink yes. gear, which you never see much, which I, is cool. Yeah, yeah. Did they make a figure with that one yet? Nope, not yet. Not, not yet. yet. No, there's always opportunities. On top of that, guys, uh, you're going to see the uh, awesome finish between Yokozuna and Lex Luger on that show. <laughs> when they uh, did the dull uh, two-step on Lex Luger and decided, oh, he's, he can win the match, but not win the, the title. The crazy thing is this show starts off hot because it starts off with Razor and Ted and then goes right into this awesome tag match we're going to talk about. And this, this match looked... Steiners and Heavenly Bodies is a hot match. The crowd's behind it. The whole, yeah, the whole match. Isn't this? Are they in Michigan for they this are. show? They That's are. another reason. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that too. But before we get kind of rolling, let's talk about the fucking tag teams. The Steiner Brothers. Rick Steiner began working in 1983, but would find success in the UWF in 1987, teaming with Sting to become the tag team champions. Uh, the UWF was shortly, you know, right after that in 88, was bought out by Jim Crockett Jr., and would uh, he would soon join the Varsity Club. So uh, Mike Rotundo, um, Kevin Sullivan, which makes no fucking sense why he's there. Uh, Taskmaster. Dr. Oh, fuck him. Dr. Death Steve Williams. Uh, Rick Steiner would go on to have like, like a weird gimmick. Like he was like fucked up in the head. Um, but shortly thereafter, Scott Steiner would start managing him. He got kicked out of the Varsity Club. He was feuding with, I believe, Mike Rotundo. Captain. Mike Rotundo. Oh, God, I love when he's a sh- captain of a boat. But in, in January of 89, they would actually form a team. So the wild thing about all of this is shortly after that, they start having some banger matches all throughout WCW. Uh, the, the likes of 
the Nasty Boys, which that matches on our list. Doom. Doom. Uh, they were also uh, have that killer match at Super Brawl with Sting and Luger, mm-hmm. also on this on our list of matches. We have a run with the uh, f- uh, Freebirds. Yes, they also have some matches with Terry Gordy and Dr. Death Steve Williams. Yep. That's well, a, did think, they have an actual name for their tag team? Uh, if they did, it was in Japan because they never said it. On, uh, it was a Great American Bash 92. They have the... The tag title tournament. Yes. And that's where they, they have, they have the tournament on the Clash of the Champions, which I actually have another match on our list from that tournament. Yep. So it, it, it's pretty cool how all this kind of ties back into them. They would go on to dominate pretty much the tag division, winning multiple tag titles and also making occasional trips to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, really big in Japan, of if course. You ne- if you've never seen a Steiner screwdriver, look it up. God damn, yes. I don't know how he didn't kill somebody. Uh, he, I think the, when, the one I most know, like I can remember, he's like, y'all, y'all ready for this shit? And he fucking does that. It's right after their WWF run. So uh, they would leave the de- leave for the WWF in December of '92 after WCW executive vice president Bill Watts lowballed them on a contract extension and gave them the option for an earlier release from their contract. He seems like a real McCuckerton motherfucker. You have the the hottest tag team in the world. I would say. I could argue that they were more popular than the Road Warriors, at least that time frame, in the 90s. The, they were the new hot tag team that was coming through, like destroying everybody, man. So, I Bill Watts letting them go because he was trying to slash prices. Why didn't you fucking fire Van Hammer, you piece of shit? Keep, yeah, keep the, Van Hammer's keep, there, PN News is yeah, there. Keep the fucking, uh, I mean, oh, what, El Guiante or whatever the hell he was called? <laughs> Fucking Jack Gonzalez. I mean, get rid of those fuckers. Don't get rid of your best tag team you have. I mean, you booked them to wrestle Terry Gordy and Steve Williams for a fucking reason. Like, it was the two best tag teams in the world at the time. And then you fucking let them go? Like, you're fucking stupid. Yeah, it makes That's a fraud. That's for us. I don't care if that makes Jim Ross mad or not. That's a fraud. So, 1993 uh, would roll around, and I'll talk about this more here shortly, but they would go on to win the WWF tag titles twice. Uh, and then they would leave in 94. They stated that they were unhappy with kind of the direction they were going in. If you think about it, they were kind of floundering because they would feud with, you know, Money Inc. They would feud with uh, the Quebecers. And that was pretty much it. I mean, when you kind of break it down, there's not a whole lot of stuff that they were doing that they were making, you know, big waves with. Um, they would go on and be in Survivor Series 93 at the main event, teaming with Luger and. Uh, Undertaker. Yep. But other than that, they're, Undertaker they're, has the American flag in his uh, that he hates coats. Yeah. They said his dog got a hold of. Um, they said that Rick would go on to say that he felt that Vince McMahon was not following through with the promises that were made to them as a team. Also, they wanted to go work Japan, and they had issues with that. And they felt like they would they would go make more money in Japan. So more power to them. Uh, that's pretty much where we're going to stop at the Steiner Brothers. However, the Heavenly Bodies. If you've ever listened to Wrestling Ruined, we've actually talked about the Heavenly Bodies on there as they were kind of a staple in the first part of 95 of the tag division. In 1992, Dr. Tom Pritchard formed the Heavenly Bodies in Smoky Mountain Wrestling with Sweet Stan Lane. Sweet Stan. Managed by James E. Cornette. Uh, Dr. Tom and Stan Lane became the first Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Champions. Bobby Eaton would later be added to the team. The Heavenly Bodies had feuds with the New Fantastics, which was Bobby and Jackie Fulton, and the Rock and Roll Express. In 1993, there was an agreement made with Smoky Mountain Wrestling and WCW that allowed the Heavenly Bodies to face the Rock and Roll Express at Super Bowl Super Brawl 3. 
In May of 1993, Stan Lane left the team after losing a loser of the fall leaves town match. Such a cornet kind of thing. Yeah. It's very it's very southern. The team continued with uh, Dr. Tom's cousin, quotations, Gigolo Jimmy Del Rey. God, he's such a man. Goddamn, Jimmy. You're such a fucking those, man. Those fucking hips. Oh, fucking, that fucking tooth from he lost that tooth from Muff Diamond. Over the next few years, the duo competed not only in Smoky Mountain Wrestling but also in the WWF, ECW, and the USWA. They continued their feud with the Rock and Roll Express in these promotions and began new rivalries with the Steiner Brothers and later on the Smoking Guns. They actually had some pretty good matches with the Guns. I believe that's in '94. Yeah. In July of 1993, Smoky Mountain Wrestling's working agreement uh, with the WWF allowed the Heavenly Bodies and the Rock and Roll Express to wrestle on the organization's pay-per-view shows. They would later go on to capture the the tag titles against the Rock and Roll Express three months later at Survivor Series. Fuck yeah. So, the Steiner Brothers, their their tag title reigns. Money, Inc. was actually the guys they defeated, but Money, Inc. would go on to hold the title for 244 days until losing to the Steiner Brothers at a house show in Columbus, Ohio. To win their very first tag titles. Hey, they're going to happen in the World Wrestling Federation. They would lose the title two days later at a house show back to uh, Money, Inc. in Rockford, Illinois, only to regain the titles three days later, June 19th, in St. Louis. Because anything can happen in the World Wrestling Federation. You're right. They would only hold the uh, tag titles for a combined 88 days. To me, it felt like it was a lot longer than that, which is wild. Well, to me, too. It felt like a lot longer than that as well. Because... Are they the ch- are they the champions at Mania? WrestleMania nine, right? They are not because Money Inc. is. Oh yeah, because they defend them against Brood Eye and uh, Black Eyed Hulk. Yep, uh, I want to say that's their first pay per view match. They don't work uh, the Rumble ninety three, do they? No, but they are. They face off against each other in the Rumble ninety four. Yes, yes, yeah. So uh, shortly after you know all this has happened, that was gonna that was in June. Um, Jim Cornette would debut on the August 2nd, 1993 episode of Monday Night Raw to challenge the Steiner Brothers at SummerSlam. I actually have his debut promo. We're going to cut to that right now. Speaking of business, what's this man doing here? Wait a minute! He has no business here. Do you know? Do you know who that is? Do you have any idea who, do you have any idea who that is? Yeah. I- Jimmy! Jimmy! Jim Cornette. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Don't get carried away. I've never seen Bobby Heenan so delighted. What is this? Ah, look at this. A reunion. Bobby Heenan and Jim Cornette from Smoky Mouth Wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't believe this. I do not believe this. Do you know who this is? Do you have any, any idea who this man is? Now quit it. I'm gonna no, I'm gonna talk right now. You listen. Relax. I'm gonna talk for you. This, ladies and gentlemen, this is the greatest manager in the history of the sport of wrestling. Yes, I could I couldn't even surpass what this man has done. Jim Cornette, what are you doing here in the WWF? First of all, Bobby, I want to say something. I'm greatest manager in wrestling only because that you're no longer managing. I gotta say, and by the way, my mother really liked that bouquet of roses you said, but you know something? 
Everybody's wondering, Jim Cornette, I know all the people out there, they got their false teeth laying on the floor, man, and they got to have their wife slap them, bring them back around, sit them up on the couch. Jim Cornette's on the WWF, man. Tell me, Jim, what is going on with Smoky Mountain Wrestling? Let me just explain for all you genetic defects out here living downstream of the nuclear plants. <laughs> Jim Please. Cornette has done everything in his career. I've done everything in professional wrestling. I've traveled coast to coast, border to border. I've managed the greatest tag teams in wrestling. The one thing that I haven't done is appeared in the World Wrestling Federation. I'm here to do that now because I finally have my knockout blow. A year and a half ago, I settled in the Great Smoky Mountains down there in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I became involved with the hottest wrestling promotion in the South, Smoky Mountain Wrestling, and I formed, I handpicked a tag team guaranteed to be the piece de resistance, the cream of the crop, the greatest combination that I have ever managed. None other than the heavenly bodies, the Doctor of Desire, Tom Pritchard, and the gigolo, Jimmy Del Rey. And they are, without a doubt, the object of every American woman's desire. Talk about surprises. You never cease to surprise me, Jim. That's exactly right, and I'm full of surprises because I got another one. What? I'm here in the WWF for one reason. Because, like I said, I manage the greatest tag team in wrestling, the heavenly bodies. They have dominated Smoky Mountain Wrestling for a year and a half, and now I hear you got some big fish up here. A couple guys called Rick and Scott Steiner. That every yeah. Oh boy! Well, they're no the WWF Tag Team Champions. Yeah, that's exactly right. They're the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions, but they're not the best tag team in the world. The Heavenly Bodies are. So what I'm saying, Rick and Scott Steiner, now. You got a challenge on your table, Steiner Brothers. Either you can get in the ring with the heavenly bodies, defend those belts, get beat, of course, but at least these people will know that you had some guts and, hey, it's no disgrace getting beaten by the best. Or you can just overlook my challenge, and then every single one of these people will know that you're yellow, stinking dog, cur cowards, and I know you are. Ladies and gentlemen, this man is going to set the World Wrestling Federation on fire. And Jimmy, you're the man that can do it. You're here. You're really here. Well, if Jim Cornette is looking for the Steiner Brothers, he won't have far to look. The Steiner Brothers always answer the call. They always answer the challenge. They won't back down from this one, I'm sure. Goddamn. Bobby Heenan is a highlight. Bobby Heenan is the man. He he definitely sells Jim Cornette like he is the second coming of himself pretty much in yeah, this and, uh, and, promo. And, and Jimmy is very um complimentary of Heenan as well. Yeah, he he keeps saying that the only reason, you know, Bobby uh, he's the best man considered the best manager in the business cuz Bobby doesn't manage anybody anymore. No. Bobby was uh, if you actually go back and watch the footage, Bobby's wearing this kick-ass uh windbreaker. windbreaker. Fucking amazing. Love this you, Bobby. when he gets thrown out of Raw Yes, with by Gorilla. Yes, yep. yes, it's fucking good stuff. Um I would say too also Jim Cornette does a great job of putting over each team. He yep. puts over the Steiner brothers but also puts over that the heavenly bodies are better and it gives you a reason to want to watch this match. So now, guys, we're finally going to roll into this match. This is going to be SummerSlam 1993. You pull up your Peacock app, pull the cock out. Whip it out. You're going to go to uh, SummerSlam tab in the, on the WWE tab. 
you know how it goes on Peacock. Uh, it's going to be episode or season six, episode one, because I hate because how they do that. Peacock's stupid. Can't they just put me the year? 1993, just for a year. We're going to be at the 12 minute and eight second mark. Um, we're going to make sure we are muted for you guys. That way you can hear us and uh, get it all set up, guys. I'm going to go three, two, one, play, and we're going to start this episode of Wrestling Recommendations, which was recommended by Travis. Damn right. I put this one on my list. This was one of the first five matches was. I think I wrote down. It was. All righty, guys. We're going to go three, two, one, play. Three, two, one, play. Yeah, this one's for Brendan A. Linnae. He loves the heavenly bodies, eh? Yeah. So a little bit of information. SummerSlam would take place uh, on August 30th, 1993 at the Palace of Auburn Hills in Auburn Hills, Michigan. So they are in Michigan. Todd is a cuck here. Yeah, this is uh, Brandon's favorite uh, announcer slash backstage interviewer, Todd Pettengill. Yeah, he doesn't have a mullet here, by the way. No, he does not yet. He's interviewing um, the Steiner brothers' mom and sister. Uh, the sister, I can see it. Uh, the mom, I cannot see it. God, the she sister, is a dog face gremlin. Hey, sister is wearing the uh, friggin' uh, was it uh, shit? The uh, hair metal band hair from oh, like yeah. 1980s. Yeah. All she, looks like, she looks like Brett Michaels right yeah. here. Uh, he would actually go on to set, ask the mom if the Steiner brothers would do uh, Frankenstein's by the Good Lamps, and she replies, "Whatever you say, Todd." <laughs> yeah, she definitely did not want to be interviewed at all. Whatever you say sounds good to me, or whatever. Jim Cornette cuts him off immediately, saying Michigan's favorite uh, tag team <laughs> is about to go down. Also says that the bodies are better are better late night, just like David Letterman. Yep. <laughs> They're better late at night, just like David Letterman. Because the fucking heavenly bodies are the love machines. Oh, man. Look, Dr. Tom, that that quaked mullet. I, fucking look at this man, Jimmy Del Rey. I'm, I miss themed sets for pay-per-views. Like, this one's cool. got the American flags and everything. for Like, this should have been the coronation of Luger. Like, they fucked that up so bad. But I guess Vince didn't trust it. Especially if you watch the Luger doc, he was kind of an asshole. Yeah. But yeah. We're, <laughs> That's, yeah. My mom's just having a good time. Mom doesn't care. The sister's totally into it. So interesting fact, you know, we did a little bit of research on this. A lot of people have watched this long. Jim Cornette has watched this long. Dr. Tom's introducing uh, James E. Cornette here. Just like Sweet Stan used to. Look, Jimmy Del Rey doing the dance. They actually said that that was Sweet Stan's uh, robe. And they actually took the S's off <laughs> and put J's on it. Which you, I, you, I wouldn't have known the difference. It, look, no. it looked great to me. Well, and then if you, if you notice here, uh, Cornette's also in a neck brace, which is from a angle in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. So like he's he's definitely carrying his angle over between Smoky Mountain and WWF, trying to keep that a continuity going. Howard Finkel, the ring announcer, by the way. Yeah, they also talk about they were kind of testing the ropes that the they were used to the cables, not the ring ropes. So mm-hmm. it was a little bit of an adjustment, which I can I can imagine that's is very difficult when you're used to cables going to ropes. Steiner Brothers looking fucking awesome with the coolest tag belts ever in the WWF, wearing Michigan colors in Michigan. I do hate their fucking theme music, though. It's very generic. It's a version, I guess, of the Michigan fight song, but they enough used to, to come not get, out, Enough not to get sued. Like, they used to fucking come out to Welcome to the Jungle and fucking WCW. It's funny, because we talked about that, where I watched the match, and I heard, like, a generic version of Welcome to the Jungle. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know if they gave them that version after they were like, well, we're going to get sued if we keep using this, but uh, I can see them coming out to Welcome to the Jungle. There's two things I hate here. Like, not no, two things I dislike. I, uh... Dislike that fucking Tom Pritchard is wearing some kind of thigh wrap that is like gray and is like ace bandage like. Yeah. And then <laughs> uh, I just hate that fucking Rick came out without his head dressed like his headgear on. Yeah. 
Like snap! Oh, this is this. Yeah, so they're gonna do the suplex here, and Rick kind of jumps for them. Uh, I man, they they pearl harbor pearl harbor them. I don't know. I used to seeing fucking Steiner with wristbands. Either. Watch as they they're gonna they're gonna throw. They're gonna do a flapjack here, and everyone everyone on commentary oh, like, Ugh. he landed safe. They, yeah. they, it, was, it was a very uh, safe move. It, it, when you first watch it, though, you look like it looks like Rick's trying to take a uh, backdrop, then kind of adjust midair. But like Cornette on his watch along makes a very valid point that um. You didn't see flapjacks in the WWF at this time, so people kind of didn't know what was happening. Oh no! And, and then they start this match off super hot. There's awesome spots here. Look at this monkey flip. I've and never they, seen Scott Steiner throw a monkey flip before. They, they're fucking hit, like it's hard hitting. Like fucking Jimmy Del Rey threw himself into Tom Pritchard Ooh. with that butt bump. He's gonna he's gonna duck this clothesline. Boom! Hits the clothesline. Fucking belly to belly overhead suplex. God damn the Starner Brothers fucking rule. Ref has lost control though. Like he he should have already had some somebody out of the ring. Oh yeah. But like Look they, at this. the this tilt the world like slam is so good. Steiner he always does a Yeah gets me hyped. Oh, here we go. We're about to see uh Scott Steiner's heart yep, rock you, hard dick. You see his dick, his dickhead. Uh, There's no missing it. Uh Jim Cornette losing fit. his shit. <laughs> he's like losing his jacket and shit outside. Like I get it, they're in Michigan, but like they played up the whole Michigan thing, which the fans ate it up. But like, it's just weird to see the Steiners like that. Yeah, I'm used to their fluorescent, like checkered pattern gear and um, the, the numbered gear. <laughs> Fucking Jim Cornette with Wild Thing on his racket. I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah you're right. Wild Thing. Good old Danny Davis out here being the referee. I like I like the fact that the match started off hot and get the crowd into it, and now the the, the heels slowed it down yep. at their pace. And Dr. Tom goes in there and starts working with Scott, and they are fucking magic together, man. Look at this. Look at this fucking gorilla press. He went up so easy that he almost he almost over. Yeah, he almost lost him because then Rick tag boom. Look at this. I just oh yeah, great back body drop by by Scott Stein. Scott is fucking jack, dude. The OSW guys do not care much for Jimmy Del Rey, which I was kind of disappointed in. Yeah, we actually watched some of the OSW. Uh, shout out to those guys. They actually have uh, a great. You know, if you never watch OSW review, they go back and watch a lot of these old shows. They started with the Hogan era, then they started doing the new, uh, the new era. Uh, they did some W. Uh, WCW stuff with Sting com- or with uh, Ultimate Warrior coming back. It's been really good. I've enjoyed it. They call they talk about uh, Jimmy Del Rey's ginger nipples and how he should have sh- no, <laughs> shaved them. The whole the whole idea of the great Steiner line uh, is for whole, him not to look. Yeah, it, yeah it, it's it's being facetious. He's supposed to be yeah. the gigolo and he looks like a fucking like guy, you, like an uncle of yours that would drink Miller High Life. <laughs> Shout out Uncle Rick. I love and, you. And talk about how he's gonna fuck some broads down at the bar later. God, I wish I had an uncle like that. My uncle, my uncle Rick's pretty good dude. <laughs> Cornette's yelling, you want me to have an aneurysm? Yeah, and Vince's like, yeah, kind of. And Bobby's like, what? <laughs> dude, people don't realize about Scott. Scott has always been fucking huge. Now, people just always think that he's like, oh, big pump pump. But look at his arms. He's fucking huge here, too. It's hard to imagine, though, like around this time, Rick's, um, Scott's still kind of young in the business. Rick's kind of the star because he's yeah. been around longer. He looks like he's going to set up for the Steiner, and the crowd's popping. He's like, all right, fuck it. We'll hold off on the Steiner screwdriver. We'll see a move here in a few minutes, too, that is became a staple of the Attitude Era. Oh. You don't see atomic drops much anymore. Or, revert, or inverted Watch atomic this. drops. This is great. He does a baseball oh. slide. Catches uh, Dr. Tom t- catches Scott with a bulldog. And Dude, Jimmy pulls his legs out from under him. It's so fucking, fucking good. Cool. Tag team wrestling. And and I think a lot of tag team wrestling doesn't do this. Great insiguri here by Dr. Tom. Well, that's another reason I want to choose this match. Is like It's a great 10-minute match. 
with teams like that don't get this match doesn't get the credit it deserves, and the Steiner's WWF run doesn't get the credit it deserves, oh, and the Heavenly Bodies fucking cameraman misses the cannonball from Jimmy Del yeah, Rey. And they call it a moonsault. Bobby calls it a moonsault, but it was a great cannonball. They're and called, Jim, Jim Cornette talked about too how like Jimmy Del Rey goes out there giving fucking everything, he throwing everything yeah. out there to to make a great impression. Yeah, because he before six months before this, no one knew who Jimmy Del Rey was. Now he's on the main. Uh, He's in a main pay-per-view for the WWF because there was only, God at damn, this time, five, right. five pay-per-views. They just included King of the Ring That is the, year. That is the most popular gif. Uh, if you look up Jimmy Del Rey where he's just sitting there shaking his fucking Here comes. Uh, float over DDT. The but, Rock steals that later uh, on. Actually, you want to say, I could say Dr. Tom showed yep, him that. Probably. Move. And Jimmy Del Rey is a fucking, he's still in the show in this match. He's really fucking good. And they talk, those W guys talk about too how Tom goes in there for just a few minutes, drop toe hold here into it's, a nice knee drop to the back of the head. It's like Tom is actually hurt. And I want to say that's probably why he has that that sleeve on his quad. He's, he's getting cheap heat here with the choke. And James Cornette's out. Jimmy James E. Cornette is out there getting the heat. Jim, uh, Jim Cornette talked about how he loved that suit. But uh, he's wearing this florette, almost like this. It's the same one he debuted in. Yeah, this yellow, or excuse me, this uh, pink. Pastel pink. Pastel pink with a matching tie and a red shirt. He said he loved that suit, however, that he basically got bloodied in a match at uh, in Smoky Mountain and had to just throw the whole suit away. They did. They did. Uh, Vince McMahon was kind of pissed. They missed the cannonball because on commentary he says, well, I wish we could see what was going on outside. And then, like, they cut to the very end after he's already hit the hit the ground. Fuck. So, like, he knew that was a big spot. Bobby called it, though. It. Yeah, Bobby, Bobby called, called it. Here's oh, sweet super, super kick. He, he, this is before Sean was using it, too. Yeah, really. He was using it just here and there, but that that was probably the nice the nicest super kick I've seen on WWF television. He He's pretty fucking good in the ring, man. Jimmy Del Rey is the workhorse of this match. And that's... It. People that have never seen this match, I really do hope you watch along with it or, or go back and watch it because it's hard hitting. It's fast paced. Like, there's a reason, Ooh, like, they're working Scott over because he's the younger guy. And, like, they, ever since they hit that bulldog, they've been kind of working on the neck Ooh. and back because the DDT and everything else. Jim, Jim Cornette caught him with the, the tennis racket, getting that cheap fucking southern heat. I love it so much. Which you got Look, they, they did They did the spot where they didn't make the tag. Yep. I want to see Dr. Oh, Tom's clapping his hands. I was waiting for the. Well, you got to do. You also got to remember the Steiners have worked with Cornette, so they kind of know oh, yeah. from their WCW time and, his and, little tricks and stuff, too. And he, Jim Cornette said that, you know, the Steiners trusted Jim because they had worked together so much in the in WCW and, and you know, the NWA. And, uh, it, I mean, it shows. You can tell, you know, the whole kind of, you know, what happens after this match, what kind of was supposed to lead up to it and kind of they talk about it. Um, I have my notes here too. Like, as you know, he goes for that float over again, and he catches him with a Northern Light suplex. Guys. Fucking great! The, the, the crowd is popping. The crowd is hundred percent into this match. Mm. I think it's a shame that they put this match so early in the card. I think you know, with it's only the second match on this show. There's a lot of DQ finishes and fucking countouts. It's and he's about, it's about to make a the hot tag. Oh, no, it cuts him off. It's one of the first VHSs I ever owned. It's not that great. I'm, I'm, I don't think I've ever, be honest with you, I've ever watched this all the way through, like this show all the way through. Fucking times. gut or a double underhook power bomb. They call it a suplex by Scott Steiner, which he would go on look. He's about to make the tag this, again. We're gonna get the hot tag now. This is the pay per view of the rest in peace match with Undertaker and Gion, and El, or Giant Gonzalez. Giant Gonzalez. I mean, it's look, not, Steiner's okay. coming in here. Rick Steiner's coming in here. Fucking Steiner line. Oh God, goddamn Steiner off. line. 
I don't think Vince calls them Steiner lines. He does not. He, he does not. Them, but we call them fucking Steiner lines. Look at these fucking, you know, scoop slams there. Just everything Steiner by his mouth. Drop kick by, you're seeing drop kicks by Scott Steiner are great ones too. Steiner Rev. He's going to go to the top rope here and almost loses his balance. Rick does, but this he catches is, him with a bulldog. God, this uh, is, this is like, you boom. didn't see that all the time. And this is before Scott started putting him on his shoulders One, too. Two. Here we go. We're going to get some more hill shit here soon too. Scott Steiner is going to get him in the corner here. He's going to do the, the hacksaw, 10 punch, two, three, and he dips him out. Oh, it's great. Oh, God. Fucking just catch him. Power, power slam. slam. Oh, my God. Jim, High impact. Jim catches, it throws the tennis racket in. Dr. Tom hits. Oh. They make you believe that the heavenly bodies are about to sneak one out because yes. they take out Scott. They use the they use that, and then the referee turns around. Kick out. Two. Fans pop like yeah, crazy. They, they, they're hoo, hoo, hoo. They, they dog face gremlin. The heavenly bodies are over. Like they, Going into this, you probably didn't think they were a threat, but by the end of this, you think, shit, they're about to win the belts. This is a really cool spot. The OSW guys kind of shit on it. It kind of makes sense, too, because like, what do, what do you do? Yeah. Jiglo goes up for a moonsault, and they move Rick right at the last second. It looks awesome. To me, I liked it because he pulls him out of the way. And all that stuff. And uh, Scott just called for it, and Rick did too. You go run, get a Frankensteiner. Beautiful. Ooh. They dogpiled. Scott, Rick is the, the legal guy. I like that. One, two, three. The crowd fucking pops. Dude, this match was nine minutes long, and it did not feel like it at no, all. It was a great fucking there match. There was no time to breathe. Like, if you, if we, shoes, I guarantee if we go back and listen to this, like, we didn't have time to stop and really talk about anything because. There's no respots. There's no nothing. Like no. It's, it, it's high impact the whole way. Uh, to me, it's easy to see uh, why people love tag teams like FTR because they work as hard as these guys did, and they understand the dynamics of how good tag, tag team wrestling works and um, can be. And yeah, you don't need you know a thirty minute match to get the get over a, a, a great piece of work. You know, Scott and, and Rick, they I mean they look look how fucking Jack Scott Steiner. You could have argued that Scott Steiner could have been a single star. Oh yeah. I mean no doubt. Like people saw that before he ever did because they wouldn't they wouldn't let it happen. Like they didn't want to break up. Oh god. Uh, they're stupid Fowler guys. <laughs> so it lasted for three weeks. Stein, I don't know if you saw it, but Scott Steiner walked out with a bloody nose at the end there. And mm-hmm. uh yeah, so basically this was gonna lead to a a title versus title match Smoky for Smoky Mountain. Mountain. Um, the Steiner brothers were going to show up with the tag titles, take on the Smoky Mountain tag champs who are the Heavenly Bodies. However, on the September 13th edition of Monday Night Raw, the Quebecers would go on to defeat the Steiner brothers. And the Quebecers rules In a, pro- a province of Quebec rules match. Um, and they were disqualified. So the, it was it was a way for the titles to get taken off the Steiner brothers but keep them strong because the rule of the match is if there was a disqualification the titles could change Scott Steiner actually hit uh I want to say it was Jacques yeah hit Jacques with a hockey the hockey stick, stick that yep. Johnny Polo had out there and the ref saw it so they called for the bell the Quebecers would pretty much hang on to the tag titles uh Quite a while. They they would go on to they'd take lose on. them to men on a mission, and then they win them right back, kind of thing. To they the lose them, don't they lose them to the uh, Marty and the kid as well? I think that's like a, like Madison Square Garden, I believe. Yeah, they lose them to them too, and then they wrestled the Owen Hart and Brett at the Rumble of '94. Yep. Um. So yeah, you know the Steiner brothers were not long for WWF. They were only there like a year, and it does not feel like it. No, the, they had a. They didn't like the schedule, which in WCW, you got to think, they'd go in and, and film like 
a month or two of TV and then maybe have a six or seven house shows in a month. Like, and that was all Georgia Southern based. They weren't flying all over the world, man. All, all, all things considered, the Steiner brothers should have never left WCW. No. They they were the sting of the tag division. They should have never been given the opportunity to leave. And that's on Bill Watts. And not only that, but they, they have such a good working relationship with New Japan, it made sense for them to stay in WCW. Yeah. And I feel like if WWF would have let them work some Japan dates, they probably would have stuck around longer. Which I think they did let them, towards the end of their contract, go do some New Japan stuff just because they weren't going to use them here. And then... It's a while before we see the Steiners back on uh, regular U.S. television because they show up in ECW and then they eventually get re-signed to um, WCW where they continue their careers until uh, the door shut. Yeah, and um, of course Scott Steiner goes on to become heavyweight champion. Long overdue. Yep. Uh, they pulled the trigger way too late on that. Well, um, and, and Rick had a, a nice little singles run too because he's TV champ. He's U.S. champ. U.S. champ. He's tag champ. Like. Right now, I know we just talked about this, but in WCW 99, he's a top, Rick Steiner's a top heel. Him and Sid Vicious are like the uh, two guys like destroying everybody every week. So Rick Steiner was a top guy in WCW. Like, But I think when it got to that point, Scott Steiner, when he dyed his hair blonde and became Big Papa Pump, he was the star of the team after that. No doubt about it. I mean, Rick could talk trash, but he wasn't going to be as over as Big Papa Pump because he was Big Papa Pump was the cool heel where Rick Steiner was the guy you were supposed to hate because he was just a, a badass that could kick your ass every week which the two guys are badasses anyway and don't don't give them a sharpie because apparently that ends bad for everyone and, sorry, sorry guys <laughs> and then of the Heavenly Bodies you know, they, they would stick around all the way till 95 and then shortly after that excuse me guys <coughs> sorry too much bullshit around here um, I had to kind of hold off there. Um, they, they weren't they weren't really long for for uh, and, WWF. And it is a shame. And if you look back on things, the Heavenly Bodies never had a run with the WWF tag titles. And we've talked about on Wrestling Ruin that they should have had a run in at least ninety five, like on the run up to Mania or something. Like they could have beat the Smoking Guns. Um, and I mean they could have won that tag title tournament. For the title belts at Royal Rumble 95 instead of the fucking kid and Bob Holly, that would have made more sense for the smoking guns to come out and beat them uh, for the belts instead of beating uh, the kid and Bob Holly. But things just didn't work out like that. But I feel like they sh- they deserved a run with the tag titles because they were the most consistent heel tag team from 93 until they leave in 95, yeah. in my opinion. Guys, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, we like, you know, we knocked one match out. Uh, next, uh, wrestling recommendations the first Thursday of every month. Uh, the next episode we'll be covering will be NXT from August 22nd, 2012. Um, I thought we were going to get the finals for that tournament. That's actually, they, they give it a week's break. And yeah, because they, they have a to face-to-face meeting in the ring Yes, this episode. But this is a nice little breakup, and it also lets us cover just some good stuff from different eras of wrestling, different years. I mean, it's just, it's a nice little thing because... Who would have known when we would have got to watch, sit down and watch the Steiners and the Heavenly Bodies? Yeah, I like to think this is a nice little snackable episode of a po- of the podcast it's, it's too. A, we, when we try to bring you, I know when, when I was making my list and Eddie too. Like, yes, there's going to be the obvious ones, 
like uh, a freaking Sean Razor ladder match from WrestleMania 10, stuff like that. But it's it's things like this that people don't talk about that are really good matches that deserve some coverage that um, we wanted to kind of do with this, like to recommend a, a good match. Like I told him what I want to put on the list is Dean Malenko, Chris Benoit from Nitro of 99 no, that I just watched. I like that fact too. Like I know one because of the matches no one's seen it. you mentioned to me was also um, Desmond Wolf, Nigel McGuinness versus Kurt Angle, which is a match that, People don't talk about enough, but it was, it was like a dream was match. Desmond Desmond Wolf Nigel McGuinness's like first match and it was, in in TNA. It's a it was a dream match at the time that has been forgotten because uh, it was in TNA and it was in TNA and Desmond Wolf had a, a string of bad luck there where got hurt he got, and he got um, hepatitis, hepatitis C, C. Um, and TNA's booking of him was shitty and then. I was telling you, I know that we're not talking about this match anymore, but I was watching, there's a channel, you guys should look it up, it's on free TV now, it's Impact Wrestling Channel, and they were doing um, Impact 60 on the best tag team matches of some year, and they had the Hardys versus the American Wolves, and that match was fucking awesome. And I had never seen it. And I sat down and said, I put that on my list. So it's just like when you see something, you just got to write it down. Cause well, we've had good friends, good friends of the podcast that we've had. Uh, Eric also suggests matches. I have had, um, Scott, our good buddy Scott also recommends some matches. He was like, yeah, I got this match. I got like five matches in like three of the five. I'm like, dude, we already got them on the list. So yeah. it's like, uh, it's, it's cool because we have plenty of time for these matches and it's cool because it is random. It was fun to research this and kind of find out, you know, I didn't know Bill Watts fucking lowballed him. That's the reason they left. I would love to see a a full-length documentary WWE style on the fucking Steiner Brothers. It would be great. And now with them going to the Hall of Fame, that's a possibility. Yeah, figures as well. Because um, I know we've put other Luger doc on other podcasts we've been on. But if if they do documentaries like that, that documentary is probably hands down one of the best because that was a WWE produced one before A&E because that was part of their Icon series. They keep doing documentaries like that. Again, they can't be touched because that's some no. good shit. And there's all the behind the scenes stuff that we've never seen before. Fucking, what, 30 years? Yeah, the Lex Express stuff where he's been an asshole and Bruce Pritchard's, never seen it. Bruce Pritchard's on the bus. I mean, talking about it like he's like, yeah, he's like, I lasted a week with him because he was insufferable. And then Luger admits, yeah, I was... He was unhappy. I, I was a bad person, and you know, I, I mean, not a bad be, person, it but can't I was be fun to just travel around on a fucking bus like that. And he had a family and stuff like that. I mean, it, there, there's, and it's just if they could do a Steiner Brothers doc like that and sit those guys down and sit down Braun Breaker or sit down Luger. I mean, Sting was on the Luger one. Yeah. I mean, so there's there's ways to do these things to, to make it even better and. And maybe us putting out a podcast on a, a, a lesser-known match like the Steiners and Heavenly Bodies will make people watch it and appreciate it a little bit, see yeah. what's going on. And it'd be nice if, uh, like, if let's say one of Eric's matches were to win a, a poll or something, you could bring his Viking-loving ass on the show and let him talk about why he likes the match. Yeah, even just a snippet of why yeah. they chose this match, what makes this match special to them. Because a lot of these matches, too, I mean, they're great wrestling, but some of these may have just a special... Part of why you oh, like them. Oh, there's one, um, and it's not a great match, but the Steve Austin Bret Hart street fight from Raw in '97 is one of my favorite things ever. See, the fucked it, up thing about this is I, Bret Hart's wearing black jeans and a fucking like bluish t-shirt. Yeah, I can remember that. It, it just stuck similar in, to what I'm wearing it, right it, now. It's stuck in my head because it's one of my favorite episodes of Raw because Austin beats the hell out of him, but then Owen and Bulldog like come out to help beat him down. Sean comes out and chases him away with a, a chair. 
Austin ends up putting Brett's leg in the chair and, and like doing it like Pilman, like Pilman it. Pilman it. and then he goes into the, the ambulance and he's in the ambulance beats yeah. the shit out of him in the ambulance and like rolls him he's out. Like, cause he's like he's like we ain't going anywhere. He's like, except straight to hell and then he goes back there and starts beating him up in the back and then Gorilla Monsoon comes back there and tells him uh, that he's he's kicked out of the building and he says <laughs> and he says he, and Austin's in his face telling him he's going to cut him a break because he's not going to kick his ass right now <laughs> so like but like it, it's things like that I mean like like he said it doesn't necessarily have to be great wrestling but it's just a moment or a memory that sticks with you because there's plenty of them um, and some of my there's a lot of matches from 97 I put on this list you know, 97, um, 97 is a golden year of wrestling I, I feel like people you know people don't give it enough credit because WCW was firing on all cylinders you, WWF was firing on all cylinders I know to me from about middle of 96 the Undertaker Mankind feud is what really I, kicks it all for me honestly uh, I know we're wrestling ruin we're doing 95 to me from seasons beatings on yeah, because Brett and Bulldog have that match, which is also on our list. You could really say Survivor Series when Diesel and Brett have yeah, that match. Yeah, that's yeah from Survivor Series '95 all the way to Survivor Series '97. Yeah. It's just consistently good shit. There's good stories. There's good matches. The cruiserweight division is is flourishing in WCW. The fucking mid card and main event of WWF is starting to form. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have guys like Rock and Austin. You know, Rock turns heel. Austin's fucking. So hot, breaks his fucking neck, and and still finds a way to stay on TV. Like, yes. I mean that if we were to sit down and, and never start a podcast called Wrestling Redeemed, that would be the year we'd start with. And not only that, and not only that, I mean you you literally have the build all the way up to Sting, which the, the match is lackluster at Stark. They but, fuck it. The but, but the build that to me I told you Survivor Series '97. For after that, it's like it's like yeah. Um, but yeah, guys. So really quick. So the next episode we're covering NXT will be uh, from August twenty second, twenty twelve. Antonio Cesaro versus Derek Bateman. Tamina Snuka versus Sophia Cortez. Her last match. Yeah. Cassius Ono versus Jake Carter. And uh, the tag match I'm looking most forward to is Justin Gabriel and Tyson Kidd versus Johnny Curtis and Michael McGillicuddy. Oh, see them. You got a fantasy team there, Kidd and uh, Gabriel. Well, I mean, they end up dating quite a bit, but... Fucking um, shout out to Michael McGillicuddy and uh, Curtis Axel, Joe Henning having great matches on NXT at this time. It's weird that they go back to the Tyson Kid McGillicuddy feud after they took a break from it for about three episodes. Also, the fall of Jake Carter, starting out some of the first episodes on our NXT show as a tag team with Corey Graves to jobbing out to uh, Cassie Sono is pretty stark, pretty pretty quick. Yeah, man. I'm really excited to keep bringing you guys wrestling uh, uh, recommendations. It's a little bit different. We, we kind of do a little bit of things different on, on this one to set us apart. But uh, until next time, guys, I am Eddie along with... Uh, Travis Lasser. Uh We will see you guys with the next epi- episode of NXT. Bye. Bye.